Coming up on this week's show, Carrie Pack joins us to talk about her latest novel, Past Imperfect, and she's also giving away a copy. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome to episode 148 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com. And I'm Will from willkanaus.com. This week's episode is brought to you in part by listeners just like you. We will have more information on how you can help support the show in just a few moments. Welcome back, everyone. Another week, another show. Uh, We're glad you're here and glad you're joining us. Absolutely. Uh, You've got a tidbit or two. Of news a, a to share with our listeners. <laughs> fill, fill us in. I'm excited to say that uh, Codename Winger 4, which has a title of Netminder, was submitted to Harmony Inc. this past week. So that is out the door. And the editorial process will be happening <laughs> immediately. <laughs> so I'll be in edits here any day now on uh, what will be the final book in the Winger series. So very happy about that. Congratulations. Thank you. Would you like to offer some more congratulations to our to our audience out there? I would. Congrats to Kendra. She is the one who won the she's the one who won. <laughs> she's the one who won. <laughs> <laughs> oh words, you're so funny. Okay, so congrats to Kendra. She won the Layla Rainey giveaway in episode 146. She got a mass market paperback of Imperial Stout and a $25 Amazon gift card. Congrats. That's an awesome prize. It is. Yeah. So some news from friends of the podcast, Suzanne Brockman and Jason T. Gaffney. They have a new Kickstarter out. They've got a new film going into production this fall called Out of Body. Uh, This time out, Suzanne and her son actually wrote the script together. And Suzanne did the novelization, which is actually already out in novelization. And you can get the... See, words are fun. (laughs) (laughs) words are hard try try it again the novelization is already out so you can pick that up on Amazon and we've got a link in the show notes to that Uh, this particular story is a friends to lovers story with a supernatural twist Uh, it seems that Henry has been in love with his best friend Malcolm since college and then one night he kisses Malcolm and it's on Halloween and for some reason Malcolm just vanishes poof he's gone why is that um, all is told in the movie Out of Body. Their Kickstarter runs until Tuesday, August 21st, and it's already more than half funded, which is fantastic news. There are great rewards out there to get, so if you want to back this romantic comedy, you can head over to Kickstarter to check it out, and there is a link in our show notes. Teenage secret agent Theo Reese is back in action in Schooled, the second book in the Codename Winger series. Theo's high school computer science club is gearing up for a competition, and he agrees to lend his knowledge of cybersecurity to help them win. The covert agency he secretly works for also needs his talents when an encrypted key that allows access to the nation's electrical grid has been stolen. The file shows up at the competition as one of those to be decoded. Theo must find a way to be both an average high school student and TOS agent winger. The file must be secured all while protecting his teammates from those who will use any means necessary to get the file for themselves. Schooled is available in ebook and paperback wherever books are sold. 
And if you missed Theo's first mission, pick up Tracker Hacker today. So this past week, I read a book by Kira Andrews, Kidnapped by the Pirate. Now, Jeff, you already have read and reviewed this book way back in episode 134 during our Kira Andrews Palooza. Uh, that was a great episode. If you haven't checked out 134, please do. So I will reiterate how amazing this book is. It's so good. It's really damn good. And um, I listened to the audiobook this week. Uh, I highly recommend that. Uh, if you're a fan of audiobooks, please check out Kidnapping the Pirate. Real quickly, uh, to sum up what it's all about, um, the title says it all. It's a historical, and it's about a guy named Nathaniel. He is on a boat headed to the New World. It is boarded by the big mean pirate uh, guy by the name of Seahawk, Um and he, the Seahawk realizes that Nathaniel is actually the son of his arch nemesis. So he therefore kidnaps Nathaniel and uh, keeps him holed up in the ship while they head to the new colonization. And uh, during that time, they, of course, get to know one another. And, of course, they fall in love with one another. Uh, and dramatic happenings and adventures ensue. Um, what I thought was really nice about this book is that from, uh, um, I, I, number one, I incredibly enjoyed it as a reader, but as a writer, uh, I was looking at, looking at it from a structure point of view. Um, structurally, it's almost identical to the book that I reviewed in episode 134. Um, and I'm trying to remember the Desert Island book. It's called, uh, oh, crap, I should have written this down can't remember by the sea something by the sea oh yeah i kind of is that what it's, remember is, that is it, that, might, be, it is, might be by the sea i think that might just be the name of it anyway Sorry, in, in both books um in the very broadest terms they're very similar because um there's an inciting incident i.e in beyond the sea beyond the sea that's what it was called in beyond the sea there's of course um we're introduced to our two main characters and then there's the plane crash in this uh, fantastic historical kidnapped by the pirate we are introduced to our two main characters and then the kidnapping happens then they spend the bulk of the book together uh, and in both stories the characters um, throughout the course of the narrative um, they uh, they're more than meets the eye each each character makes assumptions about the other, mm -hmm. but then as they spend more and more time together, they realize, oh, this is a real-life person, and they're actually pretty awesome. And, oh, by the way, I'm falling in love with them as well. Uh, in, <laughs> in, 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 the, in the case of Kidnapped by the Pirate, um, Hawk realizes that um, Nathaniel is a whole lot more than just a spoiled brat. Uh, he's actually incredibly smart and very capable guy. And Nathaniel realizes that Hawk is more than meets the eye. He's uh, a whole lot more than a big, scary pirate. Mm -hmm. um, Hawk is actually yearning to hang up his, you know, uh, proverbial eye patch and um, <laughs> <laughs> give up his seafaring uh, days and, and spend his nights with uh, someone by a cozy fire. So, uh, in Kidnapped by the Pirate... Um, they end up falling in love, but eventually they get to the new world and they have to do the handoff. 
and that goes very, very badly for everyone concerned. Uh, Nathaniel is gravely injured, and a Seahawk is captured. There is a huge storm on Primrose Isle, which is the um, new settlement uh, that Nathaniel's horrible father he's oh god he's a horrible 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 person mm -hmm. um and gets everything he deserves uh there's a terrible storm and after they finish dealing with that uh nathaniel has to rescue hawk who's being brought to the island in order to be hanged everything turns out fine in the end uh and i really really enjoyed uh, kidnapped by the pirate um for those of you who aren't huge fans of historical stories, um, please give this one a try. I also uh, was very, very hesitant when it came to historicals. Cat uh, Sebastian cured me of that. Mm -hmm. Me um, too. Because uh, I read some historicals, primarily John Jakes, in the late 80s and 90s. Uh, and those are very different types of books. They are very... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're very history forward. They're very heavily, obviously, heavily researched. Uh, there's a whole lot of history stuff to wade through. And then in the case of John Jakes, he makes it palatable by, you know, liberal, liberally, you know, peppering in sex and violence. <laughs> so you can get through those, like, giant doorstopper tomes of his. Um, in this case, in the case of Cat Sebastian and in the case of Kira Andrews kidnapped by the pirate, um, any historical trappings or facts are, are only there if they're in service of the characters or the story. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't have anything to do with, with uh, what's going on emotionally with the characters, out of there. It's not there. You don't have to, yeah. It's not, it's not dry or boring or anything like that. It's really, really wonderful. I highly recommend Getting Up by the Pirate. Yeah, I'm so glad you liked it uh, when you finally got to it. It's been, it's been fun listening to you as you go through and read it in this past week. So, yay. I'm glad it, you got there I think, finally. I don't know if this, this doesn't happen to me very often, is that when you're reading a book, you will like audibly gasp or something happens and you're like, Ugh! <laughs> When when the the kidnapping trade-off went very, very badly, uh, I've been listening to it on my earphones when I go for my walk in the very early mornings. And thankfully, I'm all by myself. Because when the kidnapping went bad, I was like, like oh my god! Right out there in the nature... Tr oh, it was ridiculous. Anyway, so yeah. yeah, I really, really liked it. I was the same way with, with the, when the, when the, when the trade-off went wrong. And then just realizing how... Awful the father was. Oh, he's a dick bag. Just oh. more than once you go, oh my god, what is wrong with you? <laughs> he's terrible. <laughs> okay, let's get to some of your books. You've been busy reading as well. I have been, yes. Um, I've got uh, I've got two to talk about this week. So the first one I'll go with is called Five Minutes Longer. It's book one of the Enhanced World series from Victoria Sue. Mm -hmm. I once again did audio because I've become just this audio fiend. And this one's narrated by Nick J. Russo. And I think this is the first book that I've done from Nick. Uh, I could be wrong, but I think this was the first. Uh, in this book, there has been an event in the world that has suddenly brought about enhanced humans. 
So it's a little bit X-Men. It's a little bit, uh, if you prefer to con consider it against some other books that are out in our genre, it's a little bit thirds, uh, the Charlie Cochet series. So there's all these humans now who are enhanced and you know they're enhanced because they all have a mark on the exact same spot on their face. And it's a mark they can't get rid of. They've tried plastic surgery. They can't get rid of it. They've done, you know, it, it burns away makeup. So you can't just go, ooh, ooh, and it's gone. Um, this has been out there for a while. The, the enhanced are shunned. They are not trusted. They can't get loans. They can't often get jobs. Or if they do get jobs, they're stuck in places like construction or maybe security where kind of their enhanced abilities can come into play. Uh, in this case, we actually start the book meeting a regular uh, by the name of Finn Mayer. He has wanted to be an FBI agent since he was 14, and Career Day brought an FBI agent to his school, and he's like, I want to do that. And he's done everything he can to get there, but the fact that he never had his dyslexia diagnosed has made it nearly impossible for him to get there because his grades just aren't quite what's needed to get into Quantico. However... The FBI is looking at it, making a, a a unit where there are enhanced paired with regulars, and he is an ideal one to bring into this, because since he wants in so badly, he kind of won't bat an eye at that. However, he has had friends who have turned enhanced, which usually happens uh, during puberty, and seen them carted away. So he doesn't mind working with enhanced. He doesn't understand why the enhanced are so shunned, et cetera, et cetera. So he's kind of game to go with this, but the catch is he's only got four weeks to kind of jam all of what could have been Quantico training and be ready to go to make this unit happen. On the, on the flip side of this, you've got Talon Valdez, who is helping to form this unit, but he's not all that excited about having to work with humans because what most people don't know is that the enhanced are continuing to evolve. So where people think they know what the Enhanced can do, the Enhanced are starting to find out that they've got more powers than even they realized. And they're trying to keep those kind of secret because they don't want to be even more feared than they already are. So you've got these two who are being pushed together to make this new task force. Uh, the, the training scenes are intense. Uh, trying to get Finn up to speed, even though he's really eager. He's never fired a gun. He's never had to think like an agent. But he is, even with his dyslexia, he is whip smart. He knows facts. He he learns really quickly. Like if he takes in the information, he retains it. Uh, and he does think outside of the box, which can be helpful for an agent, of course. Uh Talon's already got five enhanced on the task force, and, and Finn is the only human, which creates an interesting balance of power. But there's also the fact that Talon and Finn find themselves drawn to each other. Uh, from the very first time they meet, there are sparks that kind of fly between them. And as we know from other FBI books, it's kind of a no-no to uh, fraternize with your partner and your team, uh, and they kind of ignore that for a while. Um, this is my first time to read Victoria Sue, and I love how she's created this world. Uh, much like we were just talking about with historicals, there's not anything you need to know about the world. You just get it when you need to know it. So mm -hmm. it's not like you're trying to take in too much too soon or taking in stuff that doesn't really matter. It's all in service to the story and the characters, what you're getting. Um, Finn's backstory, and especially his family, is insanely interesting because 
they want to keep him down and they want to keep him kind of under their control, if you will, so that he'll help just support the family. But then as soon as he's getting a monicum of success with the FBI, they just want to be, oh, Finn, it's so nice. What can we do? How can we help you? And it's just like, you just, you want him to punch them, which he never does, but you really want him to. There is, of course, the big bad in this, which is a uh, enhanced kind of rights organization who really want the enhanced to take over the world because you know they're enhanced and they should and the the plot that goes down there was so good to read i got so super tense in all this and how they were gonna work this out and make it work and put it all back together again uh victoria really ratchets up the the tension so good um i've discovered recently and you and i've talked about this that i seem to be going down more of a path of of romantic suspense and of course this has the little paranormal layer because of the enhanced humans and stuff but that little extra of like law enforcement danger like with the Layla Rainey books and and some of the other stuff I've read lately has been oh so good for me so I really enjoyed five minutes longer there is another book out right now in enhanced world that I want to pick up and uh, the third book actually comes out in September and Victoria will be here to talk about that well, we can learn all about the Enhanced World series a little bit more. So five minutes longer, Victoria Sue. Nick J. Russo does an awesome job on the narration on that. So you can give that a go if you want. Um, the other, and then I flipped to a YA side. I just totally flipped to an entirely different thing. Uh, reading a novel, uh, a debut novel by Alexander C. Eberhardt called There Goes Sunday School. As you might guess, this book focuses on high school students who uh, there's a lot of religion going on in this book as well. Uh, this is the story of Mike and Chris. Uh, they're both 16 years old, juniors, uh, heavily involved in their church. They go to a Christian school and they are told almost on a daily basis and particularly on sun at, at Sunday services that gay is not okay. Uh, Mike has been dealing with the fact that he knows he's gay for many years and um, even to the fact that he has occasional hookups at Bible camp, which we get at the very front part of the story. Uh, he's also uh, an aspiring artist, and he has more than a few risque pieces of art in his sketchbook, which very scarily for him goes missing during Sunday school one Sunday morning. He's sure his life is just over and done. Uh, Chris Myers, on the other hand, is the pastor's son. So he is the PK, as he's called in the book, for being pastor's kid. Uh, he also has had enough of hiding because he's gay and he's kept that kind of pushed down for a long time. And these two end up with a confrontation and Mike is convinced he's about to get punched by the pastor's kid, but then the pastor's kid leans in and kisses him. So after that confrontation, obviously Chris has now come out to Mike that he's gay and these two end up pushing each other's boundaries a little bit on should we should we come out? Should we stay in the closet? What do we do now? If we come out at school, we're going to get thrown out. Um, what does it mean for Chris to be coming out to his father, who is so vehemently anti-gay? Uh, all of this just built so beautifully. I think Alexander did a wonderful job building these two characters, who once they were out to each other, helped one another to keep building and building their relationship and building the confidence to come out. 
Um, the book is all in Mike's POV. And that's really interesting because the anxiety that he continues to have is interesting. Um, the thing that I love most about this book is that it didn't go anywhere that I expected it to once the two came out. I had very set ideas on what was going to happen to Chris because of his father. I had ideas on Mike, and I think a lot of my points of view on Mike are because of how Mike thought it was going to go for him as he came out. And Alexander kind of just kept turning all those um, into a into a much better story than I was looking at. Uh, I should note that this is not typical YA romance because it doesn't follow those tropes. But I will tell you that the ending is one of the best endings that I've ever read in a YA book because it just kind of tweaked everything a little bit from where I thought it was going to go. So give Alexander Everhart's There Goes Sunday School a try if you want a great YA book by a debut author. And he'll also be on the show in the coming weeks so we can learn more about his debut novel. Now, if any of these books sound good to you uh, and you're interested in purchasing them, all you have to do is go to the show notes page at BigGateFictionPodcast.com, and that is where we have all of the links for the books, and frankly, for everything else that we've mentioned on today's show. Um, you do a really fantastic job of doing the show notes for our show. Um, we listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, some of them really half-ass this. Jeff, <laughs> Jeff does not. If we even mention something in passing, you know that you're going to have to link to it on the show notes page. Um, so, if these books sound interesting, please go to the show notes page for this particular episode. Uh, you can get all the purchase links right there. And if you use our affiliate links, uh, we get a few pennies. Uh, that help us assure that the li proverbial lights uh, stay on here at the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. Now, you can also help support the Big Gay Fiction Podcast with a monthly pledge through Patreon. For as little as 25 cents an episode, your pledge helps pay for the cost of producing and distributing this show. And for the fans who pledge at the silver and gold levels, you'll have the exclusive opportunity to ask questions of our upcoming guests. And there are some good ones coming up, for sure. In addition, you also get our monthly bonus episode, where we give you even more than you get on the weekly basis here on the show. And all patrons have the option to have a personalized thank you sent to them from us. Now, all you have to do to get all of the details on this is go to our page at patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. Want to hang out with us between shows? Check us out on Facebook. You never know what we might post. News about book sales, bonus video content, and maybe even a live broadcast or two. Like us today at Facebook.com slash BigGayFictionPodcast and see what we get up to next. I recently had the opportunity to talk with Carrie Pack. She's making her return to the podcast to talk about her new novel, Past Imperfect. And we're going to learn about a brand new podcast that she's also hosting called By Sci-Fi. So there's a lot of good stuff coming up in this interview. I'm very happy today to welcome back Carrie Pack to the podcast. Carrie's novels focus on characters finding themselves in their own time, something she experienced for herself when she came out as bisexual. She's passionate about science fiction, feminism, and red lipstick. Carrie was last on the podcast in episode 37, and she's back to talk about her new book, Past Imperfect, which is the sequel to the award-winning In the Present Tense. Welcome, Carrie. Hello. Good to be back. Yeah, great to have you here. 
Now, before we dig into this new book, let's remind people who may not have heard in the past what In the Present Tense is about. Tell us all about Miles. Well, it's time travel. So all of the tropes and pitfalls of writing it go that go with that. Um, but Miles has a form of dissociative disorder that in my world causes him to time travel. So it's kind of akin to like a dissociative identity disorder. So where you have the alternate personalities, but instead of having an alternate personality, he shifts to an alternate timeline. So if he's stressed or the certain things that can trigger that dissociation will trigger him to time travel. So in, in the present tense, predominantly, He's really trying to connect with uh, an ex-boyfriend from high school. His younger self kind of appears and kind of wreaks havoc on his marriage because at the beginning of the book, he's married to a woman. And um, his younger self really is trying to figure out what went wrong and why did he break up with this guy that he was so in love with. And and so um, and in the midst of all that uncovers this massive conspiracy to kind of figure out the secret to time travel and finds himself really caught up in that while also trying to navigate this crazy romantic triangle he's gotten himself into. Yeah, I, the first time we talked about this, I'm just like, wow, that's that's the concept right there. Or, if you would like, I call it The Time Traveler's Wife Meets the X-Files. Nice. I do like that kind of crossover there. So in the sequel, Past Imperfect, what's happening this time out? So it literally picks up where in the present tense left off. So if you haven't read that mute for a few seconds, cause I'm talking spoilers. Um, but at the end of in the present tense, uh, miles and his co his, his, uh, co, uh, uh, conspirator there, uh, her name's Bethany. He meets her while he's in a psychiatric institution. Um, they have escaped and they're on the run. And, uh, I've added Bethany's point of view to past imperfect. So now we're also getting her experiences with time travel and her, Time travel is triggered by her schizophrenia. So she's having paranoid delusions. She's having those psychotic episodes that will trigger her to time travel. So it manifests very similarly to Miles, but it's caused by a different disorder. And then, of course, in this book, they really get to the heart of the conspiracy and kind of are trying to take down that evil corporation that's studying them like lab rats. What was your inspiration for for this new installment? And we talked a little bit before we actually hit the record button that you hadn't planned this to be a series, but you knew it was going to be by the time you'd finished the first one. Yeah, I left, um, anyone who's read in the present tense knows it kind of ends on an, but not a, I wouldn't call it a cliffhanger because to me, a cliffhanger is like, literally you don't know what's going to happen. It's a happy for now. Like we know that we know where the characters stand. We know that they've gotten away from the, 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 um, most pressing evil in the book. Um, but there's a lot of unanswered questions. And when I wrote it, I really intended to write a longer book. But, you know, publishing is one of those things where it's like, look, we really got to limit your word count because then the book starts to get too expensive and we're just not sure. So uh, I, I, I hit kind of my word limit and had to kind of rethink what I wanted to do. So I ended up with a happy for now uh, and and then said, okay, I'm going to write the sequel. And if my publisher doesn't want it, I'll self-pub it. I'll do, you know, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll crowdfund it or whatever I have to do, but I got to wrap this story up because it's not finished. Um, but yes, when I initially sat down to write the in, the in the present tense, I wanted it to be one complete story. So it really can. You could start reading immediately the second you finish in the present tense, pick up Past Imperfect and be like, wow, this literally picks up within five minutes of the end of that other book. <laughs> 
looking back, what was the inspiration for these for this entire story? Because it's it's interesting to me how you got the whole time travel aspect, and and some people do just time travel books, and then you have the characters with what they have going on, and you melch them together. Um, how did all that kind of come about? The very, very, very beginnings of the story was was actually a fan fiction prompt that someone gave me. Um, and it literally was the opening scene of In the Present Tense initially was a very short fan fiction of a character waking up uh, in bed with a friend of his and he doesn't know how he got there. And he's suddenly much older than he thought he was. And so I thought, time travel, what a great way to explain that. Um, and I never <clears throat> quite got around to writing it as a fully fledged fan fiction. And so I thought, you know, this would make a really great time travel novel. Why is this person time traveling? Why would you wake up in your own body in a different time? And what would cause that to happen? Uh, and I, I, I will say that the idea for the dissociative disorder came from a friend that was totally, she said, well, what if they're, you know, um, what about DID? What about dissociative identity disorder? How, how maybe that would, you know, kind of create this. And then, then there's always the question of, is this person time traveling or is it just their mental illness? Uh, and then from there, as I write, I'm much more of a pantser than a plotter. So as I wrote it, I'm like, oh, but what if like his doctor's really trying to figure out like what, <laughs> how, how he, how time travel is possible. And like, because let's be honest, scientists for, you know, eons have been, mm, can we really time travel, you know, and the science behind it? Yes, we can. Uh, question is, can we, uh, feasibly do it you know obviously anytime you're flying in an airplane you're time traveling uh because you're going faster than the people on the ground so um little known fact um but but the physics of it like the the physics behind time travel are totally possible so if if it has to do with the relation of the speed of light and i don't want to get too technical here but basically what i thought of was well okay so in their brains if your brain is functioning at a faster rate than than a neurotypical person um, would that mean then that you could in, in effect affect your own timeline? And so that's kind of where the time traveler's wife thing comes in. He is traveling within his own timeline, much like we see in that book. Um, but mine's not nearly that tragic. I can't do tragic. <laughs> now, since you are a pantser, do you eventually in your revisions have to resolve all the science that you have going on? Or is this, or do you just make the science like, consisted in your own world. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, you know what's funny? Um, pantsing is weird because I do I do plot a little ahead. It's not like I completely sit down and go, I don't know what's going to happen with these people. I do kind of know. Um, but I don't sit down with a full outline. So I, I kind of know what's going to happen a few days out or a few chapters out. But I, beyond that, I don't really kind of... And so it does require me to go back and fix a lot. And I had a really serendipitous moment writing Past Imperfect. This is the great thing about time travel. So there's a scene in In the Present Tense where I create what is a potential minor plot hole. Um, a character kind of says, oh, I find this item in my room three days from now. Well, at the end of the book, she's not in her... She's not, she can't possibly be in her room three days from then because they're gone. Um, and I explain it by time travel and she's totally lying to the guy. She, she, so I write, I rewrote the scene from her point of view in past imperfect. And so now I've fixed my plot hole, but not only that, it helped the plot in past imperfect by creating a way for her to be able to time travel back and talk to him about something that she needed him to know. So 
how that, I mean, does the brain figure that, that's, that's another question, I guess, for another time, but like, does your brain figure that out for you? Does it know? It's like, ah, I got this. We're going to, we're going to figure this out because that's how it felt. And I'm like messaging everyone I know going, Oh my God, I figured this out. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, it, it very much when you're pantsing, like I would highly recommend not pantsing to time travel novels with nonlinear timelines. Like don't, don't let, don't let me do it. Somebody message me and be like, never do this again. <laughs> Um, because it causes so much of that that you do have to go back and fix. So there's a lot at the editing stage. I was, I was in the last version of past imperfect and found a timeline error. And I just, you know, you're, you freak out cause you're like, did I script the whole book? Do I need to rewrite this whole thing? Uh, but it was fine. It was minor, but still, you know, you always have that. If you're not, I, I plot at, I, I figure out my timeline after the fact. Something's wrong with me. No, no, I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't say that because you're at least you know you're figuring it out. And you're fixing it during editing, and I think even if you plotted, you'd still have to go back and double check to make sure it all made well, sense yeah. in the long run. Absolutely. So doing it after, I I don't think that's a problem at all. In my in I, my I, own I, opinion. I, <laughs> thank you. Well, and if it works out, I guess it's not a bad bad strategy. Um, but. In my, I just, I just so admire people that can sit down and um, F.T. Lukens, a good friend of mine, uh, writes amazing YA sci-fi and fantasy. She's a plotter, and she will have her note cards and her outlines. And I'm so jealous because I'm like, if I knew where this story was going, it would have been finished six months ago. Like I just jealous, jealous. And I think it's impressive that that you can pant something this complex because to me that would that's my mind is blown because I don't think I could do that. I'd have to go, this happens, then this happens. Cause otherwise I'd get to the end and be like, I don't think this is what I meant to do. Well, read it and tell me if it was successful. No, I, I do feel like I pulled it off. Like that was the big thing with writing time travel was I am such a time travel nerd. Like I, I don't know if you can see my Mulder and Scully back here, but they're like right there. Um, but I am such a sci-fi time, and especially when it involves time travel, conspiracy, any of that stuff. And um, to write something with time travel in it was such a daunting challenge to me. I thought, oh, I'm going to screw this up. It's going to be the worst thing anyone's ever read. And and just even getting beyond that hurdle and being, no, I can really do this um, was big for me. It was huge. So I'm really proud of this this series. Awesome. And it is award winning, too. So It is. It is. Which is awesome. Won- Congratulations on that. Thank you. I won the Indies Book of the Year uh, in science fiction. I got the bronze medal, so I got third place. But still, that's amazing to me. Like, you know, you enter those you enter those awards, and you think, oh, no one's gonna. That's not. I'll just I'll just try it. I'll see. And to be a finalist, and then you get the get the award, and it's just it's mind blowing. So I'll take it. I'll take it every time. <laughs> <laughs> and you're you're putting your sci-fi geekdom and excitement to good use uh you started a podcast recently called the buy sci-fi podcast what prompted that launch well we had been a group of uh author friends of mine and i uh cb lee uh ft lukens uh and uh, rachel davidson lee bunch of bunch of people that i've been friends with for years we started this buy sci-fi chat a few years ago because we realized we were all writing these uh speculative fiction stories that had bisexual characters and as someone who came out as bisexual myself, I'm like, this is really, to me, sci-fi just lends itself so well to to all different parts of sexuality. And to me, bisexuality is the logical progression of us being more comfortable in non-heterosexual sexualities. 
So for me, um, that was logical. But I, I kept the name because it rhymes so nicely. And because uh, our dear friend, uh, Scott Coatsworth and Angel Martinez, they stole queer sci-fi. So I can't have that. Um, <laughs> so I, I stuck with the bi-sci-fi because I'm bisexual. It's predominantly based on my love of sci-fi. But I cover all kinds of speculative fiction. So we're, we've got, I've had some, I've already had fantasy authors on there, some romance with sci-fi element authors um, I just finished, I just, I'm recording some segments today for the second episode. So I'm really going to cover the gamut of speculative fiction, both in, you know, um, books, movies, TV, cause that's the stuff I love. So I, it's going to be all kinds of queer representation though, not just, um, bisexuality. That's awesome. I mean, we, we love anytime somebody else comes into the, to the, to the podcast space, especially another author. So very glad to see that there. Who can you share on your upcoming guest list? I just finished a segment literally like 20 minutes before I got on here with you with Julia Ember, who's the author of Seafarer's Kiss and the, the companion novel to that that's coming out, The Navigator's Touch. She's great. Uh, we had a great little chat. Um, I'm interviewing uh, Chris Bedell later, who uh, personally not familiar with, but whose book upcoming book sounds amazing. Uh, and then, of course, my first episode was F.T. Lukens and Taylor Brook. Um, and then I'm hoping, hoping, hoping I'm going to have Angel Martinez on. Um, well, actually, no, she's scheduled. Um, and uh, and then possibly soon, uh, uh, Michelle Osgood and uh, C.B. Lee are going to also be guests. So it's just a matter of getting that scheduled and getting it on the calendar. But um, yeah, but it's open. I mean, I don't want to limit it to just authors. I'd love to have, you know, crazy sci-fi fans on because that's what's what all of us authors are anyway. Um, and, uh, you know, just... Uh, I just want to have fun with it. I mean, I love you. You, you know how podcasting is. It's great. It's oh, fun yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing to get to talk to a whole bunch of different people who, in some cases, you would never run into at events even because you just don't necessarily all connect up at the same time. No, it's how we met, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what's up next writing-wise? Is there more to the to the time travel series or new stuff coming up? I think I'm done with the time travel. If I ever go back to it, I think I'll do like a little, maybe um, a bonus kind of novella or free or something or self pub, maybe a um, kind of a backstory on Miles and Adam who are the main couple and in the present tense. Cause I think there's a lot of, you know, cute contemporary young adult romancy kind of thing I could explore there. But that's a, that's a, I didn't even started that. I am working on a young adult horror which uh, I'm hoping to, I think I'm going to self-pub it just because I'm going to, it's going to be novella length. So, um, but it's very uh, paranormally in that uh, a town has children become possessed by Christmas lights. They get kind of Christmas lights. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It kind of started from, you know, the little blue led Christmas lights. They're very sharp pointed lights. And my husband and I both always say like, I can't focus on them. The light, the blue light does not, he and I don't see it very well and it creeps me out a little bit. And so it kind of came from that. So this town also switches to energy efficient lights and it possesses the children. It's really creepy. I don't know um, if I can read that because <laughs> Christmas lights are, are, are nice and magical. I and know. I know. Not at um, all evil. My hometown has a really great uh, Christmas light festival thing that they do. It runs from like uh, Thanksgiving to the end of January. And I just thought like, what if that, you know, that was the thing causing it and it's not going to end until you take down those lights. And so that's, that's what I'm currently working on. And then after that, I've got a couple uh, more YA ideas I think I'm going to dig into. So nice. 
Very cool. Now, you've come with a giveaway for our listeners. Uh, tell I, us a little bit about that. So I'm going to be giving away, I've got an arc of Past Imperfect, which these are hard to come by. Um, but I, you know, I'll sign it, ship it to, to somebody. Um, and uh, hopefully they'll get a chance to uh, read this bad boy before it comes out on August 9th. Nice. All right. That's very cool. So anybody who wants that, all they have to do is send an email to giveaway at Big Gay Fiction Podcast and put the word past into the subject line and they will be registered to win. And we'll have more details on how they could do that after the interview. That's very cool. Thank you for offering that up. No problem. And what's the best way for listeners to keep up with you and everything you're doing? Uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, that's probably the best way. Everybody kind of, you know, it's easy and you get notifications. I'm at Carrie Pack. I'm also at by sci-fi um, for the podcast. So that's a great way to keep in touch with me and, you know, but I, I check them both. So. Cool. We'll link up to that. We'll definitely link up to the podcast so people can go find that and uh, wish you the best of luck with past imperfect. Thank you. Thank you once again to Carrie. Uh, we're so glad that she could come on the show uh, one more time and tell us everything that she's been up to. Um, especially if you're into sci-fi, uh, give her podcast a try. It sounds really, really good. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to be listening to some of my stuff here because <laughs> her, her second episode has dropped uh, since we talked to her. So there's two out there now to listen to. And a reminder, she is giving away a paperback arc of Past Imperfect. All you have to do to enter that giveaway is to email giveaway at biggayfictionpodcast.com with the word past in the subject line. Again, giveaway at biggayfictionpodcast.com with the word past in the subject line. You should just do that right now. Pick up your phone, <laughs> send an email, get that over here. Uh, now, this giveaway is limited to U.S. residents only, uh, given the shipping. You know, shipping books ain't cheap, folks. We know that. Um, so sorry for the international folks, but limited to us, you can enter through Sunday, August 12th at 11 59 PM Pacific time to get your entries. What's the address again? Giveaway at biggayfictionpodcast.com. There you go. I think that'll do it for this week's episode coming up next week in episode 149, Jeff Knight, he's going to join us to talk about adventures and millionaires. I was so happy to talk to Jeff. Jeff's one of my favorite people. And we haven't seen him in a while because he hasn't been back over here. He's in Australia, hasn't been back to the States in a while. So it was good to catch up with him on the Skype and to get him onto the show finally. Yeah, be sure and check it out. It's got a great accent. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's a delight to talk to, but he also has a great accent. Okay, guys, remember, <laughs> no matter where life takes you, the journey will always be sweeter when you have a book. So until next time, everyone, please keep turning those pages and keep reading. For detailed show notes and the complete episode backlist, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday on all major podcast distributors and YouTube. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.